Welcome to Weston's Sermon Podcast of the Week. We're so glad you joined us today. If you've been encouraged by our ministry and would like to support us financially, you can do so at westonroadchurch.com slash give. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy this week's message. Our Christmas message, and how many of you are ready? Some of you are like, please hurry up so I can get out of here. And I, I promise you we're going to make this morning worth it. And uh, I'm just going to ask, Marco, if you could just bring the, uh, the pulpit here. And today I'm going to need a little bit of help. So if you are the kind of person who likes to volunteer for that sort of thing, uh, just get ready. But just don't tackle me in the process. Um, but I will need a bit of help as uh, we try to also, when I try to minister, especially if we have children and my son is right here, I, w- I want to make sure this morning that everyone will leave here with something. Can you say amen? amen. And I believe that every opportunity we get to, to get together and open this incredible book that, that have the words of life for you and for me, that this is an exciting time. And so I'm excited this morning that we have this opportunity to do so together. If you're with me, say amen. 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 If you want to go home quickly, say no. (laughs) So, I mean, let's have church today. I know that a lot of us might have plans, but I'm, I'm just saying, can we take this? Like you came all the way here. Let's get something out of it. Amen. We, we went out of our way to come to church, and I get that it's a Sunday, and some of us, we do it regularly, but we have some visitors perhaps this morning. Let's, let's really make the most of our opportunity this morning and say, Lord, whatever you have for me today, it's Christmas. Maybe every year you leave disappointed. Maybe something, uh, you know, you, you just, you want something more. My prayer today is that you will receive even more than what you think you can handle today. Because that's the kind of God that we have. So we've been going the last couple of weeks in this series called There is a Light. And we opened up this morning's worship with There is a Light. And His name is Jesus. And in the Gospel of Matthew, the birth story of Jesus is told from the point of view of Joseph in the book of Matthew. But also there's the birth narrative in the book of Luke. And when you read the book of Luke or the gospel of Luke, the story is told from Mary's point of view. And this morning, with God's help, I want to kind of tie in all of those things. But we're going to be mostly in Luke today. And in Luke chapter 1, before we actually come across the birth of Jesus, we meet a couple. And here's where I'm going to need a, a, a man and a woman or a, a boy and a girl to be Zechariah and Elizabeth. So do I have a female volunteer who's brave enough to come? You don't have to act or say words. I might tell you what to do, but I just need any hand. I can't play both parts. Come on, guys. Is there anyone who wants to come? Brother James, you're going to be Zechariah, so you can come. Give him a hand. You can come and join me right up here. Bless you. By the way, come, 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 come. Don't be afraid. I won't bite. And so we have Zechariah. He's the dad, not of Jesus, but we're going to get there. Do I have a female volunteer who is able to be Elizabeth? Was that? Oh, my wife? Oh, Alexis? (laughs) You've been uh, nominated 
to come. Alexis, would you come? I know she's brave enough. She's one of our youth at church, and she's ready for this because no one was prepared. And the beautiful thing about Brother James, I mean, sorry, Zechariah, and Elizabeth is that they were righteous people. They honored God with their lifestyle, and they pleased God. The only thing, though, is that you're old, and you never had a child. You never had children. And so what happens is that everyone thinks there must be something wrong with you. So everyone here kind of like start to murmur and, and whisper to your neighbor about what's going on. Let me hear it. Okay, so there's a lot of gossip and what, they're wondering what is happening and what is going on. Like if they are good people, then why don't they have a child? And this is what goes on. And you can stop gossiping and whispering now. Okay, and you don't do that in church, by the way. You don't gossip anywhere, by the way. And so Zechariah, he's, he's faithful. He's serving as a priest in the temple. And it's his turn to go in on this particular week and serve in that way. It happens once in a lifetime. Long story short, he has a visitation from an angel. And he gets a word saying that you are going to have a son, and you're to name him John. But do you think Zechariah believed it? Spencer might know the story. Do you think Zechariah believed it? No, he was questioning it. As a result, what's your, what's your name? Zechariah. Correct. Now he can't speak any longer. And so he, his mouth is shut till the day this promise will be fulfilled. Elizabeth, on the other hand, she gets pregnant shortly thereafter. And we find that when she's about six months, so the baby is starting to show. What's the baby's name? John. And John was going to be the forerunner for Jesus and especially Jesus' ministry. And so when, when um, Elizabeth is about six months This is when Mary, the mother of Jesus, as we know the story to be, gets her word that she's going to become a special mother as well. So would you give our Alexis slash Elizabeth and brother James slash Zechariah a hand? I told you you didn't really have to do anything, but I just needed to give you some backstory to today because, well, to up to six months for Elizabeth. You see, what happens is that Mary now has this incredible encounter. We're still in Luke chapter 1. And, and the angel tells her, oh, highly favored one, you're going to have a baby. And she says, a baby? How can that be? Now, Mary was engaged to Joseph. And by the way, it's not good to have relationships that are special because we have children here before you're married. So they honored God, Mary and Joseph also, in that way. And they would not consummate their marriage until they were married. And so what happened was, she said, how can I be pregnant? And the angel reassured her, don't worry, it's not by your husband Joseph, but by the Holy Spirit. And so this in incredible revelation happens for Mary. And when Mary finds out 
They also, the angel also told Mary, by the way, your relative Elizabeth is also pregnant and she is in her sixth month. So what does Mary do? She goes to visit Elizabeth and they spend many months up until basically the baby was ready to be born, Elizabeth's baby. And so about three months they spend together. And then Mary leaves. Now, the baby is born for Elizabeth. And everyone's wondering, are they going to name this baby Zechariah after the dad? And he remember, he can't speak. And so finally, the baby's born. And she says, no, I'm, we're not naming it after Zechariah. His name is John. And as soon as that happens, now daddy Zechariah can speak again. And he's like, yes, the baby's name is John. And right after that moment, and here's where we're going to pick it up in Luke chapter 1. Zechariah, the father of John, which we, as we know our Bible, perhaps we call him John the Baptist, because he was the one who ended up baptizing Jesus later. He begins to prophesy. And that's where I want us to start this morning. So if you have your Bible, would you open to Luke chapter 1 and stand to your feet? We're just going to read two verses this morning from this prophecy that Zechariah spoke the day his son was born. So we're going to read from Luke chapter 1, and we're going to read verse 78 and 79. If you're there, say amen. So because, remember, this is his prophecy. You know what? It's not on the screen, but let me start at verse 76. It's not there, but follow with me for a second. So Zechariah prophesying to his son in verse 76 said, And you, my little son will be called the prophet of the Most High, because you will prepare the way for the Lord. You will tell His people how to find salvation through forgiveness of their sins. And now here it is, verse 78, in speaking of Jesus. Because of God's tender mercy, the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us. Another translation might read, or the morning light from heaven is about to visit us. Verse 79, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide us to the path of peace. In verse 80, John grew up and became strong in spirit and he lived in the wilderness until he began his public ministry to Israel. Just before we pray and you take your seat, I don't know who this word is for, but in verse 80, it says that John started in the wilderness, but we know that's not what his life purpose was because then he became the foreigner for Jesus. There's someone here today, maybe a few, but I felt that this was very strong and I had to share it, that you are not where you know you have to be, but you're kind of in the wilderness saying, why am I here when I know God has called me to do this? And all I want you to know today, and God wants you to know, is that this is the season of preparation. Preparation. Before you go and prepare the way of the Lord, He's preparing you to prepare the way for Him. And I don't know who needed to hear that today, but I have to share that. And now we're going to pray and we're going to move on. Let's pray. Father, I thank you this morning for your word. We thank you for sending your son Jesus, and I just pray that our hearts would be open, Lord, to hear not just the story we know that is familiar, but to hear what your spirit is saying here and now. 
for us, for our families, for our church, for our cities. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You may be seated this morning. I told you we're going to get as much as we can out of our time together today. So there's this prophetic word. And for Zechariah, it starts for his son. But where we started reading in verse 78 and 79, it transitions and it touches upon Jesus. And it's incredible. And he's echoing Isaiah chapter 9, where it speaks a similar passage, which also is recorded in Matthew chapter 4, which we read a few weeks ago, which is simply what we said, that the... Uh, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide us to the path of peace. And so this morning, there is a light and his name is Jesus. Just so we, we're, we're not confused on anything, it's not John the Baptist, for he himself said, someone even greater is coming. And, and I baptize with water, but he's going to baptize with fire. And so Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus is the light that shines in the darkness. Two things this morning that I want to share with you. Number one, light attracts attention. Light attracts attention. Every year at Christmas, it's Priscilla and I and our, our kids now, our tradition is to drive through our community and the neighboring communities, get some hot chocolate. It doesn't always turn out that way because the kids aren't always deserving of it. But we drive anyways, and we look at all the houses with all the lights. It, it just, we're drawn to the, it looks so pretty, so beautiful. Some people really go all out. Some, I'm like, why did they even bother putting a light? You know, but, but then we're attracted to that kind of stuff. If you've ever been around summer where there are a lot of mosquitoes, and you turn on a light, and let's say you open your patio door, you're in trouble, Right? Because the light attracts attention even from the bugs and the unwanted critters that fly around. But there's this quality about light that is attractive and it attracts attention. By the way, um, I know I'm right about this one. If you've ever put your cell phone on the counter at home and you're kind of in another part of the, the room and you see that thing light up, chances are... The twitch happens, and you have to go check who it was. And I got a text from Lordana saying, hurry up. <laughs> that was from before the service. But we are attracted to the light. We, there's this thing, and I know with the cell phone, it's a big one. I try hard at home to just flip it over so I don't see the glow. The CN Tower lights up, and as you drive in the night, it's like this, this beam and you just have to stare at it. Even if you're driving on the Gardener Expressway, you're like, I'm going to take pictures of it. And some of you should not do that because you might not live to tell the story or post the picture. Um, if you've ever driven in the country, if I go north from my house just a little bit, we hit like the farm, farmland. And when there's no light noise or light pollution like the city has, it's just dark. And all of a sudden, the sky... And the stars in the sky become really bright and evident. And I, I told Priscilla, I grew up in Montreal in the city. I lived in the concrete jungle. This is what I like. She grew up in the country. And she said, oh, you haven't experienced the beauty of night in the country until I did. And I looked up and I'm like, 
there are that many stars in the sky? It's, it's incredible. But there's this beauty about it, and it attracts attention. In Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, listen to what it says. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. And about that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem. And they're asking, verse 2, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. So the wise men saw a star. And here's the thing. His light will draw you in. Jesus' light will draw you in. And I love the result of his light. It leads us and it, it creates a desire in us to worship him. So when we see the light of Christ, there is an attraction to it. There is something beautiful about it. And it is a light that shines like no other light. And that's how you know that it is the light of Jesus. And so consider this. How many stars are in the sky? I don't know. But they estimate 100 billion stars are in our galaxy. Now here's another thing. Because our globe... Our world, our earth is shaped in a circle. Even if I looked up, I wouldn't be able to see all the way around, right? And I heard a new argument that they're saying that the world is not actually round, it's flat. Uh, I don't buy that. So they say with our naked eye, we could see there are probably 5,000 stars visible around the globe. But because it's round, we can only see half of that hemisphere. So about 25 hundred stars or so. I mean, that's still a lot. I've been in a, a crowd of t uh, 2,500 people, and I couldn't find my wife. She couldn't find me. It was crazy. Yet, see, these wise men, or otherwise known as magi, or astrologers, studied the stars. They knew a lot about the stars. And so they would gaze and look and study and know what was going on. But how many of you know there was a different star on this special night? Because it said that they saw the star and they followed it all the way to Bethlehem. And when they came, they worshipped him. There's something about this light that is like no other light and no other star. His name is Jesus. And number one, light attracts attention. But number two, light disturbs the darkness. And this is what I want to leave with you this morning. You see, between 3 and 5 p.m., the sun sets on the front of our house. And up until, you know, this time of day, before 3 o'clock hits, our floors, our hardwood floors look great. They look clean. They're dark. You, see, you don't see anything. But what happens is as the sun begins to come down, it shines through our front window on our door and it hits the hardwood floor at such an angle that I go, oh my goodness, I'm glad no visitors come between 3 and 5 p.m. Because it looks a disaster. You see my kids' footprints, their handprints. Uh, I go, just, did you spit on the floor? And he's like, yes. You know, and that's okay because he cleaned it with his sock right away. <laughs> but you see, light disturbs the darkness. If it was just dark and shadowy, I wouldn't know the difference. But once the light shines, I go, oh, I got to get out the mop. I got to get out the pine saw and, and clean the floor again. And you see, that's the part I don't particularly like. 
because um, my wife makes me do it, but that's okay. In the same way, though, Jesus' light shines on us. And the only thing that can end darkness is light. That's why I say, Lord, yes, uh, uh, let your light shine in me. And you see, there is this part of it, though, that we don't like because just like my hardwood floor, it exposes the flaws in your life. It exposes the areas that maybe you've been trying to hide in the corner, in the hallway, perhaps. But when the light of Christ comes, the reason why you begin to notice those areas of your life is because He wants to deal with them for you. And the light shines in the darkness to disturb the darkness. The darkness wants you to keep those dirty secrets and those lies hidden for years and to keep you frustrated and feeling guilty. But when the light comes, the true light of Christ, you are never the same again because there's no other light like Jesus' light. In John chapter 12, verse 46, he said, I have come as light into the world so that everyone who believes in me will not remain in darkness. So there's no reason to try to walk in darkness. Why? I was about to walk into this if I would have kept my eyes closed. But trouble comes when you don't know where you're going and when you're wandering. And Jesus said, you don't have to live like that. I have come. I have come that you might be able to see and not remain in darkness. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. If the good news we preach is hidden behind a veil, it is hidden only from people who are perishing. Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. I want you to know that outside of these walls in our world today, there are people walking in darkness. And they might just say, well, I'm an atheist, and I, and I self-proclaimed whatever they want to proclaim themselves as. The reality is, the veil is covering their eyes. And who puts the veil there? Not God. The devil. Satan, the Bible says. And Jesus said, I have come that you might have light and have life. That you might see, that you won't walk in darkness. And you see, here's the thing about Satan. He takes a little bit of truth and he twists it and adds to it. And therefore it's distorted. So even if it might sound partially true, you can be sure that the rest is not true. So don't worry about what you said to, to him. Or don't worry that you, you cheated uh, some hours and you got extra money. Or don't worry that you, you did this and, or you robbed that. Or you, you, you swore and said this. Like, there are so many things. And if he just gets you to buy into the lie a little bit, cheat on your spouse. It's okay. No one will know. Ask those who subscribe to Ashley Madison how they're doing today. How are their families? How are their relationships today? I'm not saying that they're doomed. I'm saying I pray the grace of God will touch and reach down even into those situations because that's what he does. But the reality is there is a veil covering people. And so when they say I'm this or I'm that, I'm an atheist, or they don't even know their own identity anymore, 
It just simply means that they haven't met their creator yet. It just, it just means that the veil hasn't been removed yet. And this is how I, I, I choose to see people. That, that they just need to see a glimpse of the light. And, and that's all it takes is a glimpse of his light. And they will be forever changed and transformed. They will know. John 8:12. I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So what's the condition? You have to follow Jesus. And you won't walk in darkness. And I want to end this morning with John chapter 3, verse 16. How many of you have heard this or can quote this? Let me see your hand real quick. John, you know, I remember growing up, I, I never really was into wrestling, but I remember like Austin 316. That actually bothered me because, I mean, first of all, what does it mean? He's not the Savior. But John 316 shows us why God sent His Son Jesus. And here's what it says. We're going to read a few verses. For this is how God loved the world. He gave His one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish, or will not walk in darkness, will not perish, but have everlasting life. God sent His Son into the world. Hold on. Listen. Not... Not to, one more time, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him. However, but anyone, but anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only son. And the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world. Say it with me. It's a fact. Fact. Okay? God, you can take him at his word, but now he's also... So there's no confusion. This is a fact. God's light came into the world, but people loved the darkness more than the light, for their actions were evil. And all who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for fear their sins will be exposed. But those who do what is right come to the light so others can see that they are doing what God wants. Others can see that they are doing what God wants. This morning, we have a beautiful opportunity. It's way more than just a Christmas story. It's more than just a little fairy tale book. It doesn't even start with once upon a time. It starts with God so loved the world that he gave. And friend, today, I don't know where you're at. I don't know if you know who this Jesus is, the light of the world. I don't know if you understand how much God gave when he gave us his one and only. And I don't know if you've ever made a personal commitment to Jesus Christ, to give him your life, to say, yes, I want the light that Christ has, and I want the life that comes with that light today. I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet all over this place. You see, there are a lot of benefits of light, but just to highlight back to Zechariah's prophecy, he said this, and I echo these words today because the same is true for you and for me.
Because of God's tender mercy, Luke 1.78, the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us. The morning light from heaven is about to visit us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. You might be here today hanging on to life by a thread, maybe not on a hospital bed, but hanging on to life with saying, what's the point? What's the point? You might even have suicidal thoughts and you're here today saying, Lord, you, if it's really you, speak through this preacher guy. I don't know your situation, but I want you to know that light has come. Light has come, and it's not just for me, it's not for a select few, but it shines for all to see. And this is who God is. In Malachi 4 verse 2, it says this, But for you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness will rise with healing in His wings. The Son of Righteousness is Jesus, and He has already come. And He will come with healing in His wings. You see, today, when you say yes to His light, it transforms you from the inside out. It's not like a light we have here where it shines on my head and causes a nice reflection. His light first shines internally inside of you, so then it can shine out from you. And so today, here's what I want to say. And I know we have kids in the room, and I just ask for a few more minutes of your attention. Maybe you're here and say, oh, I know what's going to happen now. He's going to say, every eye bowed, every, uh, every eye closed, every head bowed. And I know what comes next. And he's going to say, raise your hand. I want to say this. And then they call you up to the front anyways. I'm going to be even more honest than maybe you've experienced in church if you've ever been in church before. I'm not going to ask anyone to close their eyes. Why? Well, because I'm going to call you up for prayer anyways. So I'm not going to say, just raise your hand and then simply put it down. And then you're thinking, okay, I'm okay. But I'm here to say that if you say yes to Jesus and you want to receive his light and his life, you say, well, you keep saying light and life. What is his life? His life is a life like no other. It doesn't mean it's a life free of problems. It's simply meaning a life that He has planned for you. And here's the beauty of it. He comes alongside of you and walks every step of the way. And yet when you read His Word, He said that I have come that you might have life, not just a, a normal life, but life more abundantly or life to the full. So my prayer for anyone here that wants to receive Jesus today is that you would receive life to the full. And you might be here hanging on by a thread, but I want you to know that the light has come and His name is Jesus. And, and the best thing I can do for you today, if we want to make today, this morning worth it, is to give you an opportunity to say yes to His light. Because along with the light comes a life like you've never imagined, like you've never dreamed of. And this is the beauty of the gospel that we have. Before I give you that opportunity to respond, you might say, well, I don't think I qualify. Because if you knew my history, if you knew my past, if you knew what I've done, uh, my criminal record, or whatever record that you are thinking of, I, I just want to say one simple thing to encourage you. 
is this. Think about how God chose to send his son in a, a, a stable, dusty, and dark, and brown, in a feeding trough that was designed for animals to come and eat. He saw that fit enough for his son to be wrapped in a cloth to enter the world that way. Why do you think you need to be perfect and good and holy to say yes to Jesus? If he was born in a manger and that was okay, sure enough, I can be born afresh and anew today and, and what I have to offer is good enough. Can you say amen if you believe that? Listen, you will never be good enough for God because he is God. He's, he's the highest. There's no one like him. But today, all you need to do is be willing to say, Jesus, I come. Here I am to worship. Just like those magis. Those, they, basically, if, if you've ever seen the horoscope in a newspaper, that's what they were. They looked at the stars and, and began to predict stuff. That's what the wise men or the magi or the astrologers were. And that's what the horoscope astrologer people do today as well. But we don't believe in that. But I love how they too saw the light. Not a light, not a star, but they saw the one. And they came and they worshipped. And so today no one here is disqualified. And with every eye opened. Why opened? Well, because... If you can't take a stand for Jesus in his own house, how are you going to be able to do that when you walk out of here and, and, and an opportunity happens or comes your way? Someone asks you, do you believe in Jesus? Have you, have you encountered him? And, and you say, uh, yes or no, and you're uncertain. Listen, this is the easiest place to say yes to him because you walked into his house. You're his invited guest. So today, without extending it any longer, I just want to make sure that, that no one has any excuse. But if today you want to give your life to Jesus, I'm just going to simply invite you to step out of your seat, walk down an aisle, and meet me right here at the front. And I want to pray with you. If there's anyone this morning who wants to say yes to Jesus and you want to give over your life to him and say, Lord, I want your light to shine. Would you come? And if not, we're going to pray. But I, my responsibility to you is to give you the opportunity. Your responsibility is to make a decision, not mine. And so this morning, I just wait another second or two if there's anyone today light has come and his name is Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Let's just wait a few more moments. As we wait, I just want you to think about everything that God did and how he went to great lengths for you when he sent his son, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your love. Thank you, Lord, for your kindness. Lord, it's undeserving, yet you freely give it to us. And God, we give you glory today. We thank you today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, the best Christmas gift we can offer you is our lives. The best gift we can offer you is ourselves, just as we are. And Father, I thank you today for every person that is here. Father, every young person and old person. For Father, even Elizabeth and Zechariah, though they were old, they were still not quite done because you 
we're not done with them. So Father, today I just pray over uh, our seniors, maybe that are here, maybe in their older age. Father, I pray that you would again, afresh and anew, begin to renew their strength. Father, help them to know that the fight is not finished, but God, there's much work to do for your glory. Father, we thank you for every young person in this place who they have strength and energy. I pray that it would be directed towards your kingdom's purpose. Father, we thank you that we have seen the light, a great light, and it's a light that shines in the darkness. Help us, God, as we leave this place to carry the light of Christmas, the true light of Christmas, and his name is Jesus. May go out from this place to the four corners of the world. And Father, we thank you for your gospel is peace. We thank you for your gospel is true and your gospel is light and it is hope. And Father, for everyone who is veiled, may you use us as your light to shine brightly that they might have just a glimpse. Just a glimpse is all they need to understand and know who you are. So God, we thank you, lastly, that you are Emmanuel, God with us. And Lord, you never designed us to, to, to trudge along in life, in the darkness, on a lonely path. But you've come so that you might light up the darkness. You've come that you might be a light unto our path. And Lord, that path that we walk is a path of peace because Jesus, you are the Prince of Peace, Almighty God, the Wonderful Counselor. And we thank you, Lord. May this Christmas be the best Christmas we've ever had because we understand that the true light of Christmas is Jesus. And so, Father, as we go from this place, Lord, as we sit around dinner tables, possibly with family and friends over the next few days, Lord, may we remember, may we talk about what Christmas is really all about. And so, Father, we bless your, your church today. And I bless every person that is here with a wonderful year and an end to this year. And as we go our way, bring us safely back next Sunday as we close off 2017 in the house of God on New Year's Eve. Father, may we have a mighty visitation of your Holy Spirit afresh and anew. Lord, I thank you that even though we have seven days left or so in this year, that it's still not too late to finish well. And so, God, I pray that we would make the most of every opportunity as we leave this place. Now, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of his Holy Spirit accompany us on our way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to the Sermon of the Week. God wants to work in your life, and we want to hear about it. Please take a moment to share your story by emailing amen at westonroadchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope listening to this week's message has equipped you to be the light wherever you go.